Good morning, good afternoon. How you doing out there today? This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful and great day today. Today we got a short episode. We're not going to get too deep into the weeds. We're just going to be chatting about something that's been rolling around my head. I don't got a, a script for this one. I don't have any show notes or any any uh, any bulletin points in front of me. I'm just kind of going off the dome, off the cuff. And I was watching, if I, if I could be so blunt, um, crap TV in which um, I, I was listening to some modern day hip hop on YouTube. Uh, this was an artist that I don't even know. I didn't even bother to listen to get their name, but they're rapping with a artist that I actually hold in high regard by the name of Fat Joe. And Fat Joe has been around for the, since the 90s. He's been around some of the best names in the business from Big Pun, rest in peace, to DMX, rest in peace, to um, he's spit on lyrics with, spit on uh, albums with Ja Rule and Jada Kiss from The Locks. He is a staple in hip hop. He's also, dare I say, been known to be, uh, to be spoken of as the uncle of hip hop, as it were, or the unofficial mayor. Now, I mean, there's an argument to be made with LO Cool J and KRS One and Big Daddy Kane and Rakim and Nas and Jay Z and Biggie. And there's so many names out there that, that, uh, there's no real one, I guess you could say, king, as it were. There's just a lot of, People that have helped move the art form forward in amazing ways. And so I was just watching and listening to this artist rap with, with Fat Joe. And he was, this Fat Joe was, was great, as always. You know, always brings that energy and that vibe of realness and true street authenticity. And this guy he was rapping with was, was a bag of hot garbage. And I remember thinking to myself, I was watching this, like there was a level of of penmanship, your pen had to be sharp, your lyrics had to be on point, your beats had to be knocking, you couldn't come with some bullshit, you couldn't come spitting some garbage and expect to get radio play or video airplay, it was like, standards were high, as word to De La Soul would say, stakes is high, and you had to come with it, there was a level of just honest, raw, real authenticity that these artists put out there that just made you want to move to Manhattan or, you know, New Jersey, New Jerusalem, as it was called in the early 90s, New Jerusalem, uh, or, or the Bronx or South Bronx or Flatbush or, you know, Bed-Stuy, wherever, the birthplace, the Mecca. This art form has saved countless lives, created billions of dollars of wealth. And yet for all, just in the last couple of years, I've seen a rise of, I, I won't even put it in the same category, but I've seen a rise of this form of hip hop, a perverted form of it, a gross, grotesque, almost like disturbed form of this art form in the form of conservative 
MAGA rap. And so for the uninitiated or for those who have been living under a log for the last five to six years, MAGA is the, uh, the definition of that is make America great, which was a slogan that uh, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, took as his rallying cry, a sort of not even a dog whistle, just a flat out bullhorn to his acolytes and followers to say, hey, America once was great. This experiment of democracy was at, uh, at the time of its conception, a rogue nation that Britain tried to flatten, that Germany and France tried to sack, but they couldn't. Scrappy Americans had too much hoopspa and grit and freed themselves from the tyranny of good old, good old lovely England, right? I remember, actually, it's kind of funny, I remember having dinner with a couple of friends and uh, my female friend, who we've all known for years, had a, had a, a, com- a partner that um, she, uh, not a, like a romantic partner, but just a, a friend of hers that had come from Britain. And it was right around the time of Victoria, uh, I believe the Queen's birthday or something. And I, I remember asking her, like, so many nations in the world, they have, they celebrate their, um, their independence from your country. What do you guys celebrate? And she was like, oh, the Queen's birthday. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that makes sense. But America is this, is this country that shouldn't have existed, right? When you think about it. And it birthed some of the most innovation and amazing forms of music and art and culture and I mean so many other countries have too uh, Australia and Canada and and um, and the Netherlands and Scotland but in particular America has birthed a lot of stuff that they've given to the world and that's like jazz and blues and you know country music and, and rock and so many other forms of art for art forms so many other art forms and hip-hop rap is no ex- exception it comes from that tradition of the slave trade. It comes from the very soul of the black experience in America. In particular, the the, um, the pain of slaves being brought to the shores through the transatlantic slave trade, the civil rights movement, the battle for the right to marry who you want to marry and to move to various places in that country. It's the hip-hop in and in, in of itself is steeped in the blood and the sweat and the tears and the agony and the pride and the love and the just amazing nature that is the black experience in America. And starting, dare I say, by Cool Herc, I think that's safe to say, founding fathers of Rakim and DJ Kaz and the Furious Five and Bobito from, you know, uh, from the Bronx and, and Stretch Armstrong and the Wake Up Show and all of these aspects of this culture from graffiti to breakdancing to, to uh, tagging to emceeing to DJing from the Furious Five to um, songs that, you know, spoke to a nation of people that gave them a voice. It hurts to see it turned into a joke, almost. Almost turned into the Whore of Babylon, if you would, if we're getting biblical about it. 
to see a art form used by the oppressors. In case in point there, now I've never, I didn't actually research the names of certain of these artists. I didn't think it was necessary, but there are artists who are, um, who are trying to take and utilize the swag and the honesty and the just the brutal realism of hip-hop at its truest and honest form and pervert it into something that is the almost the tool of the taskmaster to take the inspiration for freedom and use it for oppression and over the last number of months we've actually years but months in particular we've also we've seen more and more people come to the fray come to the forefront trying to utilize this art form who don't really like black people who don't like minorities who have an abhorrent nature of hatred for the poor and the oppressed who have no problem aligning themselves with power and elite elitism and and of almost a fake sense of realness we're seeing that and it's startling it's kind of astonishing really to see people who had no um no swag if you would you know that have no alliance to anything cool take it and try to be cool and and some of the things you could ask yourself is did Hip-hop as an art form stray so far away from what its core values were for money, for the ability to get black and brown people out of their poor circumstances and into better tax brackets and more affluence and better wealth. Because if we want to be honest, hip-hop has always been aspirational. It's always been about doing more, getting out of your circumstances, not just getting by, as Riza said in that intro to Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Their 19, I want to say, 94 hit off their, off, um, off of their debut album, Enter the 36 Chambers. It was always about escaping the circumstances of poverty, the reminiscent um, aspects of Jim Crow, stop and frisk, these draconian drug laws that were put in place during the quote-unquote, you know, war against drugs in the 80s, the late 70s, and all throughout the 80s and the 90s, where we saw nothing more than just an attack on the descendants of slaves who said enough was enough. And so it's weird. It's very strange to see people whom probably don't have any black friends or the ones they have are you know the the type who would never speak out against oppression and they try to use it as a rallying cry for racist it's literally to the point where it's like seeing a nazi open up a jewish eatery or it's like a it's like um it's like somebody who hates Aboriginal people going to a powwow or listening to um, right-wing evangelical Christians, you know, um, befriend people at the border in the United States. It's, it's strange and it's weird and it just doesn't 
fit because if you want to take on the um, the music of the descendants of the oppressed, if you want to utilize their culture but want no use for them, that's just it's just strange. It's it's worse than being a culture vulture because the terminology of appropriating someone's culture for your own benefit or for your own gain, we see that all the time. And if we're going to be honest, we do it all the time. People use various aspects of other people's culture, other people's, and when I say other people's, I mean other, um, other, I guess you say ethnic groups. So a good example of this would be Mexicans. A lot of people love Mexican food depending on what region of Mexico it comes from. But they just put it in this amalgamation of everything's all Mexican, big deal. And they love the food, but they may never meet anybody who's Mexican or Spanish speaking or from Latin America. You might have people who love Caribbean food. They love food from Jamaica, the Barbados and Trinidad and wherever else, but they, they have no connection to anybody from that culture. And they might even go so far as to take on the slang and the, the dress and the attire and the, the whole vibe of that culture, but not know anybody there or at worst utilize it and then make money off it and not give back or acknowledge to that community. So the MAGA rap stuff is, is even worse than the culture vulture stuff. It almost feels like this weird, perverse inverse thing that's stating hey we'll go, we'll take your your essence but we don't want you and it just doesn't fit as open-minded and progressive as a lot of people are out there to see a nazi you know with the swastika opening up a uh, a jewish temple would just be so out of place because it doesn't fit. To see a clan member, you know, at a soul food cookout, it's just weird. Like you hate the people that you're mimicking their art form. There's no, like there's no connection there. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad, but I think it leads me back to my question of, did hip hop do this to itself? Did the art form get too big for its britches and sell out so completely and so uh, totally, you know, without any regard for uh, people coming coming uh, behind them, did did they did they shoot themselves in the foot? Did hip hop, as an art form, as a culture, as the people involved in it care too much about money and care too much about, you know, shining and flossing and, and just making as much money as humanly possible that it, it lost its soul. And so in comes in the people who don't really care about it, who don't have any love or appreciation for it. They just want to get paid. And so if black artists and Latino artists and all these other type of artists are are doing that, then 
Why can't they? And is that so wrong? Is that something that's so um, dangerous that, you know, people who have seen for years black artists denigrate their women and, and, you know, make songs about corruption and crime and, and murder and killing. Is it, is it really that hard to, to think of artists coming in who, who want to, you know, praise um, America and give sort of like a different take on what they feel um, culture should be about? I don't know. But I do know that these things don't happen in a vacuum. And in order to get artists that scream the uh, love for America and the police and the military and the prison industrial complex and is against Black Lives Matter and against feminism, like it's just this, it's like the inside, outside, right side, upside world. It's just... It makes no sense. And it it's awkward because on the one hand, you're looking at this art form that you love just being destroyed from within. So the barbarians that are at the gate that are looking now that are trying to come in and use it. Is it their fault or is it the fact that hip hop just got so weak and so ineffective to actually protect its own borders that you have people just coming in and doing whatever they want and I don't know where that shift happened because in the 70s and the 80s it was all about lyricism it was all about community and unity and but then you have the the, the blizzard the, the war on drugs the, the cocaine era like I remember listening to a quote that I will never forget from one of the greatest drummers ever by the name of Questlove. Questlove is a drummer and producer and filmmaker and all-around savant within uh, the Roots Collective. So the Roots is a hip-hop band that's been around for the better part of 30 years now, more than 30 years, and you can see them on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show as the house band there. But here was... Here's somebody who has seen the ups and downs of the hip-hop industry from coming from Philadelphia. And he said that if it wasn't for crack cocaine, if it wasn't for the drug wars of the 80s and the 70s and the 80s, rap would have been as delicate and as soft and as non-threatening as jazz. The hardship of that era, the Reagan era, is where you get the hip-hop that we have today. The harder, more scarier, more frightening aspect of that culture comes directly from, you know, Reagan. Some people... I've often heard some people say that Reagan should be the fifth um, element to hip-hop. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's um, it's startling. 
It's interesting. And again, I don't have any answers. I don't have any soliloquies that could, you know, change what I see in the music other than I just retreat to the stuff I loved growing up and I don't listen to anything past um, Dave East and who else? And uh, rest in peace and to Nipsey Hussle, really. It's sad, it really is. And maybe the art form will come back, who knows? Maybe there'll be people that kind of bring the culture back, as it were, you know, bring New York back with just honest lyrics. I think one of the things I want to end with, and and again, this is just me rambling on, was I have a friend who's quite the rock snob, and in a good way. Like, he's very articulate and very well-versed in rock and roll, modern-day rock, um, the stuff you'd hear on, like, alternative rock stations. But I remember asking him, just reaching out to him and saying, hey, you know, like... In the last five to ten years, has there been a band, like guitars, drums, bass, lead, that has just captured the music zeitgeist or has captured culture in the same way that like a Cardi B or um, Ice Spice or whoever else is out there right now um, or anybody in the pop world? Like I asked him, I was like, what do you think about this? Like, do you think, like, where's, what happened to rock? You know, what happened to rock and roll? And essentially, it was that once hip-hop started to have more dominance and dance music and, and you know, like, house and trance, trance, well, first it was dance music and then electric and then house and then bass. But what happened was, I guess we were just, when we were chatting about this, he described that most music that was being played in clubs and, you know, and night spots wasn't rock and roll. You can't dance to Bohemian Rhapsody. You can't, you know, shake your groove thing to um, uh, to ACDC's Highway to Hell. You know, it's just... And so, as clubs wanted more music to dance to, hip-hop and trance and, um, sorry, and house music fit the bill for that, or electric. Because it has a beat, it has a bass, and people were loving it. People love it. So... I don't know where the newer bands are going to come from when it comes to rock and when it comes to rap, I don't know where the bands are going to come from that will be timeless. I mean, I can't tell you the last, again, it's Nipsey Hussle, Dave East. um, There's very few artists that are memorable now in the genre. There's very few artists that you feel will still be around in five to ten years. Forget, I mean, forget that in five months or five days. Because, like, again, what we've turned into is attention is the new capital. It's the new currency. And so if you can get more attention, more eyeballs on you, who needs to rap? Who cares about your bars? Who cares about your beats? Who cares about your production value? As long as you can get people watching what you do on Instagram and on videos and everything else, and it's all about the image, you can have songs that are straight hot garbage and get away with it. 
We saw it with Takashi 69. We saw it with um, Little Yachty, Little Pump, Little Uzi Vert. Um, rest, rest in peace to Pop Smoke, but even Pop Smoke's music was more gang related than anything else. So if we have a genre that only talks about bitches and hoes to a certain extent, and for the most part, is devoid of any conscious um, lyrics like you would see from a Taleb Kweli or a Most Deaf or Erica Badu or The Roots or um, Outcast or whomever else is out there or Common. What are you going to do? Because you got to make money, like Jay-Z said, you know, when he talked about rhyming like common sense, truthfully, he wants to rhyme like common sense, but he did five mil. He ain't been rhyming like common sense. You know, and then he says, when your sense got that much in common and you've been hustling since your, your inception, you go with what makes sense. And it was like, look, people want to hear about the street life. They want to hear about what's going on in the club. They want to hear about how many women you're getting with, how many, how the nice cars you're driving, all the stuff you're buying. So it leaves very little nuance for unity and for, you know, lyrics and songs about bringing people together. And there's been a long conspiracy within the hip hop community that record labels and executives want more destruction they want more violence they want more death murder um, prison drugs in your raps and that'll make a little bit more more money and you know you might ask well what about the positive stuff yeah like a Will Smith or whomever else or Chance the Rapper but for the most part if you're trying to introduce music again like MAGA or MAGA rap or whatever into the genre of hip-hop, it doesn't meld well with also the happy-go-lucky, you know, um, positive rap. There's not really a place for it there. It feels childish almost. It feels ignorant of what's actually going on in the streets and what's actually happening to black and brown people. So... Yeah, there you have it. I mean, and again, this was just me rambling on. I just had some thoughts I wanted to get out because anything that you've loved or cared about, but you don't really have any control over it or say in what happens to it can be very frustrating. And it could be anything from a genre of movies to an artist that you really care about to an author that you love reading their books to a painter that you love watching their their creations. And you just have to sit back and say, you know what, the new aspect of this thing that I've loved is not for me. I will stick to what I grew up with and what I've loved, but as far as I'm concerned, the kind of music that's being made right now within the genre of hip-hop is not for people who are 30 and up. It's for the kids who are young, dumb, and full of you name it, you know? (laughs) not for people like me and and you got to accept that at a certain time and point the train's going to leave you you behind you're not the hip thing anymore you're not the target audience you are not the 
um, focal group that they're trying to work towards. And that's fine. And I, I think that's where, you know, adult contemporary hip hop or like a hip hop AM station as Charlemagne the God talks about where there needs to be music that's a bit more mature, that's talking about real life stuff about people who are in a certain age bracket that aren't trying to hit the club every three night, three to four nights a week, that don't care about blowing a, blowing a bag of money at a strip club or, or whatever else. You're kind of like rapping your age in a way. As Andre 3000, and I'll kind of end with this, um, Andre 3000 from the group Outcast recently put out an all flute slash instrumental album. And I, I definitely feel that Andre 3000 is the biggest cock tease within hip hop of all time. Just this amazingly layered artist that could wrap circles, and I mean circles, around most competition. I mean, I put him up there with lyricists like Pharaoh Monk and Jada Kiss, Talib Kweli, Most Deaf. Scarface, um, Jay-Z, Biggie, like he's up there, like he can, he can go, and the fact that, again, that we've got an album from him that is primarily flutes, kind of crazy, I've listened to it and it's very relaxing, so I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not going to um, get up my own butt about it, but maybe that's where hip-hop is headed. Maybe it's, it's, it's almost burned itself out with the affluence and the level of opulence and I don't know. You, you always pray you'll never be around to see the downfall of something you love. That you would be long gone from the earth before your uh, the thing you love just ate itself up. And that could be with America or a company or your marriage or your friendships. But if, if the culture within large doesn't look and say, hey, how can we create something that's going to be substantial and leave a legacy for the next group of people that are coming up? Hey, it's not just about me getting mine. It's about, you know, kids 10, 15, 20, 30 years or the next 50th hip anniversary of hip hop when it's a hundred and the, the, the originators are long since gone. What is it going to look like? Are we going to, are we even going to, is there even going to be uh, a hip hop culture? Cause if everything you're rapping about is about violence or with that's popular anyways, or about, you know, um, having as much literal sex as possible, doing as much drugs as possible. Where where does that creativity come from? So that a next generation will say, oh, this is something that really got me through something. This is something that I listened to when I was going, through, my parents were going through their divorce or my family was trying to start a business or this is what got me through that. Where Where's that music at now? doesn't exist and it's sad so i'd like to say this is just part one of everything um i'd like to probably check out one of my friends who's an artist and reach out to some people and 
maybe get like a group thing going on where, excuse me, the, the fact of the matter that this art form that has saved the lives of countless people is dying on the vine. And there's no, nobody doing any background checking or any type of, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Just holding anyone accountable. You know, like what happened to a culture where you protected it and actually looked after it and valued the forefathers. Recently on the news, I was listening to how Nas uh, from Illmatic fame and Commissioner Steve Stout, who was an executive, I believe it's Sony or Columbia for a number of years with black music. And he's well known within the industry. He's a pioneer. He wrote a book called The Tanning of America, which is a book I actually have to get to. I can see it right here in my shelf. And he says, and they're, they're basically giving back to the culture by finding the forefathers and making sure they got proper health care. A lot of these artists did not make enough money from something they started that created billions of dollars, trillions of, of dollars worth of value. And so there's so much that that's wrong with that. I can't tell you how many artists I've seen in the last couple of years that had to go, had to get GoFundMe's, um, campaigns going to pay for their surgeries or to pay for their health care. It's sad. And so people like um, Nas and Commissioner Steve Stout are coming up and they're saying, look, we're going to, we're, we're trying to make it right. We can never actually give you what your contribution to this culture is worth, but we can try to at least make sure that you have enough dignity to age where where the, the, the benefactors who have eaten off of this are saying, hey, we appreciate you, big bro. We appreciate what you've done. Um, OG, we, 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 we love it. We give you not only their flowers, but give you a check, you know, and say, hey, here's some health care. Here's some coverage because you deserve it. And, and that, I think, I think in essence, if we... Even though I, I started this episode just feeling pretty dejected and thinking hip hop's going to the shitter, you know, like this is awful. There are people who care about the culture and the forefathers of it enough to say, we got to make this right. You can't, you think about it, you can't just have an art form that grosses billions of dollars annually for other companies, yet the founding fathers are living in squalor. They're living rough. It's just not okay. And so it's good to see um, companies want to, not companies, sorry, but artists actually want to see these artists um, taken care of. So yeah, that that's kind of just what I wanted to talk about. It wasn't anything, you know, deep, but I, I guess it just rubbed me the wrong way to see People who have no interest in black culture, black American culture, but black people in the struggle use their, their art form to try and almost turn it against them. So, but anyways, yeah, you know, thanks for listening. Much appreciated wherever you get your podcasts. 
from Google Play, Apple, iTunes. You can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. We are, again, um, always, uh, we've got, always out there, we've got definitely over, over 100 episodes that you can binge whatever you like. And like I said before, look for us on YouTube. We've got the YouTube channel that we're starting up there. And, and so that's going to be fun learning the in, in, ins and outs of that. And yeah. So until next time, take care. Be good to one another out there. And keep your head on a swivel. Peace. <laughs>